Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Today on the podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing my co-host, Dr. Sarah Collins-McGowan. She is a pediatrician at Genesee Pediatrics and the assistant director of the Pediatric Links with the Community rotation through the Huckelman Center at University of Rochester. Thanks for coming, Sarah. Hi, Megan. It feels a little strange to be sitting in the interviewee seat instead of asking the questions. Well, I think, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to catch up since uh, we can't actually see each other in person still. Indeed. (laughs) So uh, what is something that you are into lately? What's going on in the Collins-McGowan household? Um, Well, I really enjoy playing the violin. And I have been playing since I was a child uh, all the way through college. And then you know, during medical school and residency, I got a little busy um, and started playing less and less. But now my kids play instruments. And so I picked it back up when they started taking lessons. Um, And so my daughter plays the violin and my son plays the cello. And my daughter's only nine, but she's gotten to the point now where she's quite advanced. So we can actually like play real pieces together. Um, And it's a lot of fun. And sometimes even my son who's younger will join us on things. So I, I love making music together as a family. That's awesome and very ambitious of you. We have a beautiful piano in my house that I do not get to play very often, so <laughs> I love that. Um, so why don't we start by talking about uh, your role as a pediatrician during these COVID times? Because I think it's important for us to acknowledge all the work that's being done in primary care offices around the community. Um, what has it been like for you recently as a, a pediatrician in practice? Oh, great question. Um, It has been quite a year, um, almost a year now, and a very, very steep learning curve, I would say, in terms of COVID itself, the actual disease, but also um, the the telemedicine aspect, the really dramatic shift to the way that we see patients and the way that we're doing medicine. Um, So it's been, yeah, it's been very, very busy. And then of course, on top of that, managing like uh, remote learning (laughs) or hybrid learning has been um, also a challenge. Um, But I would say that what in our community in Rochester, um, one of the things that we're really lucky to have is a very coordinated pediatric community. And um, I think that the COVID pandemic has really put that on display. I mean, right from the very beginning, um, we have been able to work together across the community to support each other and figure out the best ways to do things and share resources and um, create you know common guidelines that we follow. And um, that's been really, really, really nice to see um, and very helpful in such trying times. So right now, you know, we're recording this at the end of 
December, um, and our rates have gone back up in the community. Um, and so we're sort of rapidly shifting back to telemedicine. We're seeing many more cases of, of COVID in kids and families um, than we did earlier in the year, which is not what we want to see. But we are also seeing that they still tend to be, you know, pretty mild in kids. Um, and we are very, very grateful for that as pediatricians, um, that kids seem to be doing pretty well through this from a medical standpoint. Uh, and I think our, our really our bigger concerns for kids is, is all the other stuff. It's the social stuff. It's the educational stuff. It's the other things that they're really being devastated um, by during the pandemic. So there's a lot of work ahead of us too. So you wear a lot of different hats. You are a community pediatrician, but you also work with a bunch of different community organizations, um, including the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester. So talk a little bit about what Pediatric Links with the community is, what it does, uh, and how what a great impact it makes for uh, trainees. Sure. Um, so Pediatric Links with the community... Um, which is a little bit of a misnomer now because really we go beyond pediatrics, but it was started over 20 years ago now by um, pediatric residents at the University of Rochester who felt that there was something missing from their training. Um, and they were you know, frustrated by the social problems they were seeing over and over in their patients that were affecting their health. So they started this rotation to better understand where their patients were coming from and what resources were out there to help them. And it has evolved over the years into what is now just one of the programs out of the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester Medical Center. Um, and the Huckelman Center's overarching mission is to connect doctors with community partners to make neighborhoods healthier. And we start doing this during intern year, which is the first year after medical school when new doctors are just starting their training um, in their field of choice. So when interns are on their um, PLC, as we abbreviate it, their PLC rotation, they spend two weeks doing an immersive Rochester experience. Um, and our goals are really twofold. First, we get them out of the academic medical center, out of the hospital and into their city um, to learn what community resources are out there for their patients. Many of them are not from Rochester, so it's an opportunity for them to learn Rochester. Um, and they go to places like the Boys and Girls Club, um, Willow Domestic Violence Center, 211, Family Court, um, Food Link, to learn about how those organizations uh, address needs in the community. And then secondly, we want our interns to get a chance to learn how poverty and structural racism and educational inequities and segregation affect health for the patients that they see in the hospitals and clinics. Um, so we spend time talking about the history of Rochester and why even in 2021, uh, we are so segregated here, both racially and economically. Um, we have them plan a trip using the public transportation system so they can start to think about the intersection, the interaction between transportation and poverty um, and why their patients may not always be on time for their appointments. And we get them out of their comfort zone um, and into neighborhoods and businesses that they might not normally go to. And then think about how it feels for their patients when they have to step into the unfamiliar um, medical setting. And it is always uh, an energizing experience for the interns and often a very moving one. Medical training sometimes has a way of numbing doctors to the human experience. And so PLC is 
an opportunity to get back in touch um, with why we all went into medicine in the first place. Um, and, and it provides real knowledge and skills for helping people. So it's not just pediatric residents, though. Who else is involved in that rotation right now? Yeah, so um, it, we also have medical students that rotate with us. Um, and um, this year we have started working with uh, internal medicine residents as well. So I've been expanding. It's been great. And then there's the combined uh, internal medicine pediatric residents. And then I thought for a while there were even some nurse practitioner students that were able to do the rotation. There have been some. We've had family medicine residents in the past. So we've definitely worked with all different, um, all different types of residents. Everybody really can benefit from this kind of experience. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think, aside from like getting people out of the ivory tower and having them connect with the community, why do you think that linking trainees to the community is so important? Well, there's, there's a statistic that's often used when you think about health, and it's that 80% of a, a given person's health really comes from their, um, the social structure around them and only 20% is actual like medical care that we provide. So I think as doctors, we tend to overestimate how much we do for people. <laughs> and so I think it's really important as, um, you know, as doctors are going through their training to realize that um, the majority of what's actually affecting your patient's health is coming from, from other places um, and people in the community doing work and not just, you know, what's happening in your office or in your medical center. Because of the COVID pandemic, what has had to change about the rotation? A lot has had to change about the rotation. <laughs> um, we have really wonderful community partners. Um, and so several of them are still doing on-site visits um, with our residents, which is great. Foodlink, for example, they are able to go and volunteer there and um, still learn about the program um, in a hands-on way. And the places that are not able to take on-site residents anymore have been doing virtual visits with us, um, which is not the same, but it has been uh it has been great anyways, um, and it gives the residents a chance to talk, you know, one-on-one -on -one with people who are doing this work and people who are doing really front lines work with the COVID pandemic too. Um, so that's been an interesting um, shift, I think, this year. And the other thing that's changed too is with George Floyd's murder and all of the protests and uh, everything that's happened over the last few months, our residents are really coming in with, I would say, a different baseline of knowledge about structural racism. Um, and, um, and so we've been able to use some of the time to, to delve into that a little bit more, I think, than we have in the past um, because we have the time to do it um, and because it's such an issue that's at the forefront of everybody's minds right now. You also participate in other work around this sort of like social component to health um, in the work that you do with the Children's Institute and other things. Do you want to speak to any of that other stuff that you have going on? Uh, sure. Um, yes, I work with the Children's Institute, um, have been lucky enough to be working with them for a number of years now um, on a program called Get Ready to Grow. And that is really um, looking at doing comprehensive developmental screening for kids in all areas. Um, so from social, emotional health to 
cognitive health to motor skills, you know, the whole gamut. And uh, we started that just looking at three-year-olds and have been able to expand over uh, a couple of years so that now we're really focusing on the zero to five-year-old range. And that is a really wonderful program that uh, tries to meet kids where they're at um, and goes into childcare centers and head starts and pre-Ks to screen kids there. And they're able to do much more comprehensive screening than can be done, you know, in a 20 minute well child check in my office um, and get a much better picture of where a child is on the developmental spectrum and um, what they might need to, to be successful, you know, in school going forward. Um, and so that's been, that's been a project that I've been, been working on a lot over the last few years. And to your point earlier, it can be really hard for patients to get to medical visits, especially the ones that we tell them are developmental screening visits where they're not going to get shots or they don't need a prescription for anything. To them, it can seem less vital, but truly that work is the stuff that's going to feed forward into their success as students or their emotional health and all of those other things that we think about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important for pediatricians to know that about their patients, but it doesn't necessarily have to be done in the pediatric office. So this is a great opportunity to have that kind of information, um, but, but not have to, you know, do it during a visit where you're maybe focused on other things. Have we missed any of the community organizations that you work with? I know you wear a lot of hats. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do wear a lot of hats. Um, those are, I think, the, the major ones that I'm working with right now. There's lots of other small stuff I do, but <laughs> I won't get into it all. Is there a community organization that you'd like to talk about or highlight today? Oh, gosh. Okay. So we, I mean, with PLC, we work with so many different organizations, Um so it's hard, but I think what I would highlight today um, is Mary Cariola um, because they just actually won our annual PLC Advocacy Award um, where the residents vote on their favorite site from their rotation. And Mary Cariola, for anybody who doesn't know, provides um, amazing services and educational program for kids with really complex disabilities. And so before their PLC visit, the residents usually have only seen these kids in a hospital setting where they are often quite ill. Um, and when they go and visit um, and see the children in their element, it's really humbling to see what the kids can do when they are healthy and how full their lives are. And it definitely challenges their preconceived notions about what life can be like for children and families with disabilities. Um, so I just think we're so lucky to have an organization like Mary Carroll in our community. Amazing. That is a great one that nobody's mentioned yet. So <laughs> awesome. Um, what is something that you really like about Rochester? What's your favorite thing about living here? Um, I, I think, you know, professionally, um, as I mentioned before, it is unique in the sense that the pediatric community is really one community. Um, and so I love that about being in Rochester and um, doing pediatrics in Rochester. Um, on a personal note, it's just a great place to raise a family. Um, there's so much to do from outdoor stuff to music and museums, but it never feels like it's too big. So, I mean, one of our favorite places is Thailand Park when the lilacs are blooming um, and we have all our favorite spots we have to go to, the special tree and the giant rock and, you know, that we visit each time we're there. So, yeah, I just love living here and, and raising a family here. 
Well, and Highland Park has that cool new playground area that they put in a few years ago. Yes, that is amazing. My kids will love that. <laughs> so, Sarah, where can people find out more about PLC or any of the other, um, the growth stuff that you've been doing? Where, where should they check stuff out? Um, for PLC, the easiest thing to go to would be HuckelmanCenter.org, um, which is H-O-E-K-E-L-M-A-N center.org and there's a link right from the homepage um, about PLC that includes information about the program um, and curated videos and readings and also community resources. Um, and for the GROW program, um, the Children's Institute website, which is childrensinstitute.net, um, has a uh, link right from their homepage to the Get Ready to Grow program. Amazing. Well, I hope that you have a lovely holiday season and a great new year and uh, that we get to talk again really soon. Thanks. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Forward podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester and Rochester Regional Health. To learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.